Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Well, tell us what happened to you. Tell us about this car accident. Oh, gosh. Okay. So um, December 14th, 1991, I, was, I, I had just recently graduated from college in South Carolina, and I was living in Charleston because back in, back in those days, if you were still dating the fella that you uh, went to college with, you know, your mom was picking out china patterns and crystal yep. goblets. Getting ready to you, get you married. That's right. That's right. Good old Southern style. And um, so my, my intended was from Charleston, South Carolina. And so that's where we had kind of migrated post-graduation. And um, I was working for a sign company. And it, it, was, it was a wonderful thing because with my big fat college degrees, I was mopping floors in this sign company because it was the only work I could get. And it was truthfully the best thing that ever happened to me um, because the people, um, Frank and Teresa Coyne, who owned it and mentored me there, prepared me for life in a way that I couldn't expect. And um, I was on my way to our Christmas party. And it was a hot day, and I was wearing bright red Bermuda shorts and a Santa Claus T-shirt, and I was less than two miles away from my apartment, and I came upon a set of traffic lights on a major highway, Highway 17, and I sat at the red light until it was my turn to go, and when my light turned green, I was going across the intersection, and when I got to the last lane of traffic before turning left towards town, I looked, and there was a car coming coming at me, and they, they estimated it about 75 miles an hour. Oh, broadsided yeah. you right, right, on, right on the driver's Even, side or passing? Right on the driver's side. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. We're, lucky, yeah, we're this, lucky you're here, but you weren't for a while. Well, I wasn't for a while. Yeah, this is where it gets interesting because, uh, see, George, I'm a, I'm a preacher's daughter from, from the Bible Belt of, of, of the South. Okay. And so what proceeded to happen from that moment on literally rewrote my entire my entire understanding of how we live as human beings because everything I had been taught to believe about death and what happens when we die just blew up in my face. It didn't happen that way. Um, I was very much so in control. Time literally stood still. All of a sudden, I see that car barreling towards me, and then it stopped. And I'm creeping through those next moments and completely consciously aware of what's happening. And I was like, oh, it's time to die. And I was suddenly, suddenly overtaken with this awareness that I had done this so many times before. And, you know, obviously I didn't learn that in Sunday school. Right. Um, and it was just so comfortable. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I can choose this time to stay in the body and feel that impact. And, man, that's going to hurt because he's going fast. Or I can take off and watch the accident. So on this go, I took option B. And next thing you know... I am accompanied by this very bizarre frequency of a very low drone that would, I would liken it to, if you've ever heard of bagpipes, um, when it's getting ready, you know, when they're filling the, pi- the, the bag with air, there's this low kind of wah, 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 and that's the sound that was accompanying my spirit as I lifted up out of the body. So I am now, looking back down, everything speeds up, and bam, I just witnessed my own death. My gosh, the car was mangled, no doubt. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. It was it was T bone, so I was it was bent in half. And what was so fascinating watching it is, you know, my my head goes through the driver's side window, and my neck broke, and glass shatters everywhere. And I'm watching my body; it was like a little puppet. 
and the seat folded up under my body, mm-hmm. and I'm still strapped, kind of hanging there with the belt, and it's spinning through the intersection. And this is where... I've no airbags? So 1991, no airbags? 91. What's that? No airbags? Oh, no, no airbags. No, that was 91. That's what I thought. Yeah, little a little Toyota Corolla. Um, and as I watched it kind of just bend like a tin can, um, I'm looking down at that and leaving the body at that point, the best way I can describe it to you is if you've been outside and it's really, really hot, and let's say you were working outside on the lawn, you were mowing or, or gardening, and you're hot and sticky and you come inside and you peel off those hot, sticky, gross clothes and you throw them into the washing machine and then you go have the best shower ever. That's, if, you're, if you're in that shower, the last thing you're thinking of is the clothes in the washing machine. Right. And that's the best way I can describe to you what it's like to leave the body. How quickly did you leave the dying body? Almost instantly? instantly? Oh, it was instant, yeah. And, but enough so that I was able to notice what was happening around me. So that sound was very important because, you know, many years of, of studying this, writing about it, lecturing about it, you, you begin to realize oh, that frequency played such a part because that's what's keeping the essence of me, the real, the, who I am as the occupant of that body, keeping me tethered to the body and to the earth plane was that sound. When you were in this experience, did you see them take your body in an ambulance to a hospital? Um, How close did I was, you stay? I was, gone, I was gone before that happened. So I watched, what I got to see was the car spinning around. So what, here's what's, where it gets very interesting is I'm not bang dead and then watching what's happening. I lifted out of the body before technically I was dead even because I was watching my car get hit. I watched myself spin through the intersection. I watched the people gather. And I saw, um, you know, the guy, the first guy who arrived in uniform who reached in through the passenger side windows, all the windows had blown out, and he reached in to turn the engine off, and I watched him do that. Um, And then there was another pitch, another sound that now this sounded more like a a symphony, rather than just that kind of low drone it turned into like an orchestra. I call it the music of the spheres. It's the most beautiful sounds you can ever imagine. And I'm, I, I was surrounded by that. It's like they were part of me. And that was when I'm no longer looking at the scene of the accident and I'm suddenly somewhere else. And that's, I think, for some people where the tunnel of light thing happens. But for me, I was, I was literally watching the accident and then, boom, I'm in the next space. Wow. When you were in that area... Did you realize you were dead? Yes. Okay, so this is, this is kind of interesting. I've had a very unusual life. Um, you know, I've, I've always had some unusual abilities growing up, but, of course, it was all enhanced a thousandfold after the accident. But for someone who would have been kind of keenly aware that something be- exists beyond us, there's always that human part of us that goes, gosh, what if we just cease to exist? You know, what if that's it? You know, your your lights out, uh, nobody's home, Elvis has left the building, that's it. And it was so not like that. It's like you're suddenly a lot smarter. It's like this veil is lifted off the eyes. You're you're like, oh, oh gosh, that's right. That's how this works. I forgot. And you are aware of who you were. 
you are aware, aware of the life you've just led, but suddenly you're aware that it's so much bigger than what you had, had realized that it was on Earth. When did you come back into your body? After, um, after a few really important things happened. Um, when I was kind of basking in that space, um, eventually the atmosphere in front of me began to take shape, and these two beings came forward. And it's interesting, you know, being a preacher's daughter, this is where you'd expect the angels to arrive. Well, these angels didn't have wings. They were the most incredibly benevolent, loving beings, and they were just there. And it took me a little while. It took a little while, as we say here in Ireland, for the penny to drop. Um, and they just waited patiently. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, my gosh, these are my guardians. We all have guardians. So at your lowest point, when you, you know, if you feel like you're alone, you're never, ever, ever alone. They're those voices that whisper in your ear. That's that feeling of comfort that you get. They're always there in support. And so this was just so incredible to me because they, they had form, but they were formless at the same time. They were, you know, they certainly weren't angelic like you would you'd think, you know, of the typical religious um, connotations like, you know, angels in white robes and wings. It wasn't like that. Um, but the love and, and the feeling of support that was there was incredible. And they turned up to sit with me through the life review. And so, um, yes, there is the cliche life review, but it's very different than what you might imagine because I'm sitting in a space, and it was like being in a a three-dimensional or uh, 360-degree IMAX cinema. Hmm. You're in the center, and your life is playing out around you. And this this is the real mic drop moment for me. This was where my mind was officially blown. Um, you know, you've, you've kind of come through this, you've shed the body, you've accepted, oh yeah, I forgot, that's right, I was doing that, that wasn't even real, that was, that was just temporary, this is who I really am, but you're watching what you've just done. And so what's so interesting is that I, I'm watching myself at the beach getting lost at five years old, I'm watching myself winning Living History Day at, at uh, junior high school at the age of 12, I'm watching myself in a rape at the age of 17. I'm watching myself get my first driver, you know, my, my, take my first driving test. All these things are happening simultaneously. So your concept and understanding of time come back to you in that moment where you realize that time isn't linear and that's done for our comfort. Time it, is something that's actually um, happening like a merry-go-round. Well, in terms it, of people time. Which doesn't exist in, in that era. How long do you think right. you were in this state? Um, I would say probably, it, well, it was as long as it took for the ambulance to arrive. It was probably 15 minutes or so. Okay. And oh. what was interesting is when I was in the hospital, um, you know, I, I was, it was so interesting when they put me in the ambulance and I'm like, I'm coming in and out of consciousness, and and I remember the lady stroking my hair, and she's like, "Don't worry, sugar, we're not going to let you die." And I'm and I'm screaming, "I've already been dead! I've already yeah, been exactly. dead!" Exactly. And which was far better than where you were, because the totally. intense pain must have been incredible. It was. You know, you come back into that body, but what what was so interesting was there was after doing that life review and realizing that I'd made it 21 years, and that it was of my own doing. Because you're in that space and you're looking around going, hey, isn't this where somebody's supposed to be judging my performance? Isn't this where, you know, that someone's making the final decision? Do I go up or down? And, like, everything that I had been 
brought up to believe just simply wasn't happening. It was so much bigger and more loving and more expansive. And I'm like, okay, what's happening here? And I realized, wait a minute, I want to go back. Nobody made me go back. I, me, the, who I really am. You did it to yourself. wanted to come back, and I did it to myself. And the one who was sitting and critiquing those performances of me as, as 5 and 12 and 17 and 21, it was me. I was judging my own performance. How, how long, Mary Helen, were you laid up in the hospital? Um, that's the funny part. Not long. It was a Saturday, and I slipped through the cracks for, for very, um, very good reasons, as, as we've come to find out later. Um, they missed fractures in my neck. They, you know, there, was, uh, there were all sorts of things that began to unfold as the next step. I ended up going to a chiropractor. They let, you, how, they let you out of the hospital that fast? They did, yes. Oh, and it was, you know, talk Jeez. about the emotional ramifications of that because it is, oh gosh, I was, it took me a long time to learn how to like walk properly again. My pelvis was mangled. Oh, I was told God. I'd never have kids. Um, I have two. And, um, you know, I lost my hearing in my left ear. I detached my retina in my right eye. So I was sent further afield to do, you know, bits and pieces. These things weren't done in the hospital. Once I wasn't dead, according to dead terms here, I, you know, I was there for a, long enough to, for them to send me on to start getting patched up in other places. What happened to the person who rammed into you? He was an 81-year-old gentleman, oh. and it was so interesting because I look at him with such reverence um, because it's like he was that, that soul that was meant to cross my path for five minutes. Did he die? You know, we have, uh, no, he didn't die. His car, he was driving a tank. So think about it. In 1991, one of those like giant, you know, like a giant, like a big Cadillac or a Chrysler, you know, one of those huge. Like my dad would have called that kind of car a land yacht. Yeah, you know those yeah. those kind of cars. And his, you know, the, he he got crumpled on the front end. My little Toyota Corolla was just toast. It was, you know, and and he had floored it to go through a red light. So that's why they found out he was going so fast. Um, he was trying to catch the red light, but he didn't see me as I was. Yeah, coming across. I'll tell you a funny story later about me in a intersection, which uh, was could have been a disaster too. So you're you're back in your body, Mm -hmm. and I'm assuming from you that what could have been months in the hospital was probably just a few days. Yes. So here's an interesting thing that we kind of skipped over in the beginning. From the time I was very young, I alluded to the fact that I've had some unusual things happen. Yeah. When I was, um, when my mother was actually pregnant with me, she got the German measles in her first trimester. Oh, geez. And so they were called in. Remember, this would have been, I was born in 69, so this would have been 68. They were called in, and basically my parents were given the bad news. This baby's not going to be okay, period. You know, she, my mom was quite ill with the German measles. That did not fare well back in the day. And um, so my parents were sent home uh, to basically deal with this news. Well, this is where my father, you know, the minister, gets this visit. And what's so fascinating is that these two beings appear to my father, and he could not, for as much as he wanted to, call them angels. He called them celestial beings Hmm. because, like my own guides, 
They had no wings. They didn't look like anything right. he'd read about in the they Bible. They come to him in a dream or in a physical oh, state? Oh, they appeared. Like they popped. He spoke of this, this. This melted his brain more than anything ever I saw the man experience because it just didn't fit in the box. And yet it happened to him. And so the title of my first book is actually called Promise. It was called Promised. It was Simon and Schuster made it Promised by Heaven. Um, promised is because when those beings came to my father and my parents had just gotten this very bad news, they said, your daughter is going to be fine and she's going to come in with some unusual abilities and she's going to be here working in service. And so from hmm. that moment forward, my dad was like, I'll give it up. I'm okay. That's all right. That's all I need. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.